The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. Healer to the Heroes, Apprenticeship. In the wake of new legal action limiting superhero activity, a rebellious new doc gets fed up with the red tape that hurts his patient care and joins forces with a grouchy older physician to provide underground health care to illegal heroes. Episode 4 There was one benefit to the invincibility of the hospital's records. No one ever questions a physician staying late with his face glued to the computer. I didn't have to glance over my shoulder or look suspicious, because I was doing what I always did, taking care of my own. The light cast its blue shadow over my notebook as my pencil scribbled down the numbers. My white coat rustled, fabric whispering in altos and tenors, as I took the numbers out of the hospital and home. I had a golden weekend. It was a term that had stuck with me since residency. It's what we called a two-day weekend. A black weekend, you worked every day, and a normal weekend, maybe you had one day or part of one day off. This golden weekend, I was going to find out who might be trying to assassinate my patients. I plopped into the giant blue easy chair in front of my gaming rig. The custom mouse fit the caress of my hand perfectly, but she'd have to wait. I elbowed her and the keyboard aside, slapped the notebook out in front of me, and let the buttons of my old flip phone sing. I'd had two phones since medical school. A smartphone for research and a flip phone to call colleagues from home without them calling me. And it felt powerful to strut the old retro thing in front of them, comfortable in the time period I grew up in, and shaming, by contrast, the other physicians constantly grasping at youth with the modern, modern, modern technology regulations and billing this or that. I respected things that aged with grace not always grasping at youth. Helen, the hidden, invisible superhero, was not one of those that aged with grace, but went kicking and screaming into her later years, clawing at youth with manicured fingernails and artificially smooth skin. A mother of three, who talked and looked like a teenager from Southern California, when Dr. Blank and I managed her pregnancy, she argued with Blank about everything from hypertension to vaccines. The ultimate Scarlet Pimpernel, or Bruce Wayne fool, she was the ditzy cad no one would figure for a two-time world saver. It was an impenetrable secret identity. Helen Vanderbilt? I asked as soon as someone picked up. You have the wrong number, a man's voice answered. Wait. Click. I put my chin on my wrist, crushing my lip between my knuckles. The man sounded familiar. Someone had to be monitoring this phone. I'd contacted here during the pregnancy. It made sense that she'd change her number frequently, but still... I tapped on the table with the back of my stubby nails. The man's voice had a low, rasping quality. Like Charles, actually. The magician-themed quantum hero codenamed Blinkster. He hadn't been all that friendly during the pregnancy, but he had to remember my name. I helped save his wife's life, after all. I called back. This is Dr. Romeo Pfeiffer, and I have an important health-related message for Helen Vanderbilt, I said before the other party could say anything. I heard breathing. Where are you? he asked. My address? Your location. Three nine three nine Saxon Lane, Envelopolis. More breathing. A pause. Text me a picture of the room you're in. Coming right up. Click. I sent off the text. Presumably he needed it to make sure he didn't transport her into something. I leaned back and looked around the room. Tidy and mostly empty except for the sleek modern black couch and the chair currently supporting my derriere. It wouldn't embarrass me in front of a superhero. 
Still, the dull gray carpet didn't impress. I'd chosen the place for its simplicity, and I'd enjoyed many evenings here on the couch with a beer after work. Suddenly, a blinding flash of light and fire billowed towards me from the middle of the room. Helen appeared, grabbed my wrist, and then I was standing outside my house, which was a crater on fire. Flames shot out of the windows, sparkling and reaching for the sky. The crackling was deafening. I turned to Helen, mouth agape. I saw no one beside me. A squeeze on my wrist from a cold, slender hand told me she was still there, but invisible. My neighbors had started running out of their houses, yelling things. My other hand found my forehead. What the hell? My brain worked. I understood she'd gotten me out using one of the Blinkster's transport stars. I didn't understand how the explosion had gotten in. I looked back at her, still trying to read a face I couldn't see. Tension in my wrist and movement and shuffling feet told me she was looking around for an attacker. I swallowed, resisting the overwhelming urge to yank my hand out of her icy grip. I hate being touched. I'm the one who touches. I don't like being touched. Resisted the urge and sealed my nerves. May I call the fire station? I asked in a low voice, trying not to look like a person talking to himself outside of a burning building. You do, you do that, she whispered back. But then you're coming with me. What do I tell them? The truth, silly, that you don't know what happened. Do I credit you for the rescue? Oh, my Instagram followers would love that, but let's maybe not for this one. Oh, okay. I cleared my throat as ash from my oak tree filtered down around us. Jeez, my entire gaming collection. My beautiful glowing monster of a PC. Okay. It took about an hour for the police and firefighters to get my statement and get things sorted out. I'd never seen these procedures before, and from the blank police statement form to the firefighter's hose technique, it all interested me. So most of the hour passed rapidly. The bonfire became embers and then just a black husk, and then the roasted side of the oak tree hung over what had once been a quaint red roof. My gut twisted like the one time in medical school I'd gotten a C. I sighed. I really liked this place. Helen and I walked to the nearest gas station, I with my hands in my pockets and she guiding me by my elbow and wrist. It wasn't until she shoved me into the bathroom that I opened my mouth to protest. But, lady, you're married, I don't roll that way, was uttered not in a gas station bathroom, but in a suburban living room as I stumbled backwards over a coffee table and landed on a couch. Again with the transport stars, I muttered, my face stung where she'd slapped into me. Okay, ma'am, mind filling me in what happened? I asked. Dusk had overtaken most of the carpeted room, evening held at bay only by a single floral lampshade. A shadowed figure with deep-cut wrinkles and lines sat across from me in an easy chair, with his legs planted and two children on his lap. The transporting toddler I'd met before only briefly, and the sometimes invisible infant I'd helped to deliver. "'I'll tell you what happened,' Charles the Blinkster seethed. "'You called my wife's old number on an unsecured line, and someone tried to assassinate her when you arranged a meeting place.' I blinked and for a moment held back an angry retort. I had no idea how the man expected me to know that number had security issues. I didn't see how it was my fault they'd answered the call. And for a nice dressing on that salad of confusion, how about a thick drizzle of, hey, that's unfair, you got my house blown up. But I'd learned from plenty of frustrated parents to ask for solutions instead of fighting the blame game. How would you like me to proceed in the future if I need to contact you? I picked carefully. You don't, Charles said. We already have a PCM, and it's Dr. Blank. That stung. 
I rose and flashed the model smile, spraying the room with a blast of formal fakery. In that case, I'll be going, and I apologize for bothering you. I'd hoped to discuss the individual stalking Dr. Blank and the person who may have tried to kill Helen during labor, but I can see I'm on my own. Excuse me. Helen's slender hand brushed my shoulder as she passed me with a laugh. She didn't notice, I think, the way I withdrew from her fingers. Don't be passive-aggressive, Dr. Pfeiffer. You're staying here for the night. She took the baby from her husband to nurse. And Charles, really, someone's stalking blank, he says. Charles jerked his head towards his toddler. The kid immediately obeyed the stern gaze and ran off to bed, flashing across the room like those jump-cut ghosts in horror games. Charles folded both hands over his knees. How do we know he wasn't the one who messed with your magnesium? He asked Helen, still watching me like a lion. Both times he's been involved, someone's tried to kill you. I hadn't even considered the possibility that I was a suspect. I sat back down with a weird emptiness in my chest, and my lips closed. Charles! Blank trusts him! I saw him multiple times during my pregnancy! Helen whined. Ugh, you both need to speak your freaking truth already. I raised my hand. Um, for my truth... I'm working on getting the security footage to see who messed with the mag. I'm guessing it's someone who works in the hospital, because someone tried to follow Dr. Blank home from there the other day. I'm not worried about the footage of Helen going invisible during the birth, since I know you, sir, helped Blank erase it. I did not, he snapped. Well, someone did. Honestly, like, she probably just did it herself, Helen said, sitting on the couch by me now with a long, sideways glance that seemed a bit... worried? Ashamed? I saw a memory in that glance, and I didn't understand it. What is her superpower, exactly? I asked. Charles and Helen looked at each other. He raised his eyebrows. She shook her head. He cleared his throat and stood. Well, Dr. Pfeiffer, you can stay here for the night. You'll need to destroy your phone. If the enemy's someone in the hospital, that explains the explosion. Someone's had your calls tapped. Is that how that works? I asked. I know nothing about that kind of stuff. They just have to know your phone number. Helen's long fingers swiped across her screen with hypnotic dexterity and a delightful tapping sound. She pulled up a little blue icon. See? I use Mobistealth. I just put the number in here, and I can record other people's calls and track GPS. I could feel the blood leave my face. GPS? I pulled both phones out of my pockets. Uh, is that going to be a problem? Charles shook his head, lifting the sleeping infant from his wife's arms. We're in a pocket dimension, he said. GPS gets confused here. But you should either destroy your phone or change your number and have the phone checked for spyware. I'll, I'll do that. Shoot, that meant someone had probably read my text back and forth with Dr. Blank. Fortunately, we never used patient names, but... Still, it'll be all right, Helen interrupted my concerned thoughts, handing me a pile of blankets. We can figure it out in the morning. Shoot, I have a shift in the morning, I realized. I paused, looking around the homely living room, from the burgundy curtains to the soft white couch, and to the faces of the superheroes I was bunking with now. It seemed so unreal, and it made me dread work that much more. I had to talk to the insurance company about all my stuff, and... Figure out a new place to live after an explosion, and somehow still pretend like the administrative BS I'd see tomorrow mattered? I had to stay at this job. I had to help Dr. Blank. 
I'll step, I'll stop by the security office again tomorrow and see if I can get any more data. I said, see you in the morning. The morning brought my normal routine and a number of somewhat challenging patients on my morning rounds. Challenging enough that for most of the morning, hospital administration left me alone. My burnt-in house and Dr. Blank's mysteries faded to the back of my mind as I left the wards and started my afternoon outpatient clinic. I settled comfortably into the overpriced padded rolling chair in the patient room and switched screens on my work laptop. A name at the top of my patient list seemed to glow beyond the computer screen. Julian Acevedo, I murmured. Julian had been my first superhero patient. The teenager had had what we call a fuo, fever of unknown origin, probably due to a virus targeting his hyperpermeable heat-releasing cells. Now he swaggered into the exam room with a bold black hoodie emblazoned with a flame in the center. "'Hey, good to see you again, Dr. Pfeiffer,' he grinned. I pointed at his chest. "'Still hiding your identity in plain sight, huh?' "'Gotta support my brand,' he said. "'YouTube's helping me sell merch now, man.' I untwirled my, untwirled my stethoscope from my neck, tilting my head. "'Superhero for profit?' "'No, man, how do you think a kid from the back streets of Ponce pays for a fireproof suit?' he scowled. "'I was kidding, Julian. You know I believe in you as much as you believe in me. Or, or we both wouldn't be here.' He lit up again, smiling. "'You know that's right.' He sat down on the chair in front of me with such force it scooched across the floor backwards with a ripping sound. He clapped his long hands together over his gangly knees. "'So, Doc, I'm still having this crazy pain in my knees and elbows.' Blank's doing acupuncture, and that's helping a little, and the Lyric has helped, but it's expensive, and it makes me tired during the day. So I'm just using it at night, and during the day I got nothing, since you said I can't have NSAIDs. You're more prone to bleeding because of the hyperpermeability of your endothelial cells, I repeated, making sure to lock his eyes and mine. They help you release heat, but drugs like ibuprofen increase that hyperpermeability to a dangerous level that sets you up for an internal bleed. It's like you're full of leaky hoses, on purpose, so the heat can get out without frying your organs. But ibuprofen makes you so leaky, blood gets out too. I always punctuated explanations with both the technical version and a simple translation, to make sure the patient understood me, but also felt intelligent. Sure, I get that already, Julian said. But what do I do? I'm eating so much turmeric, I'm getting Indian food runs, man. And I tried this glucosamine stuff Dr. Blank gave me, too. I nodded. Dr. Blank was more educated on low-cost herbal or supplement treatment than I was, but it sounded like Julian had maxed out her expertise, too. I took the natural flow of his speech as an opportunity to turn to the computer to type into my patient note, nodding back towards him every few seconds to let him know I heard him. When he paused, "'May I?' I asked, reaching to palpate his knees. He nodded, and I took him through the various tests for patellar grind, ligament strains, meniscal injury. I didn't expect to find anything, but I checked just in case.' The chikungunya virus had a tendency to leave behind polyarthralgia, joint pain for really no reason at all. My fingers pitter-pattered and pressed in every dimple on the sides of the kneecap, the joint, and behind the knee. The heat from his skin almost felt feverish, but without that extra ill dryness or moistness. I'd learned by now that this low burn was normal for him. Julian, I said, Blank thought someone might have tried to infect you with a version of the chikungunya virus, or maybe some bioengineered nanomolecule. I almost choked on the unlikely scenario I heard coming out of my mouth. Uh, on purpose. She mentioned a biomedical scientist. What would you know about that? Hmm. Julian looked away from me and started scrolling through his phone. This guy. 
His phone screen showed me a chubby pale man, about my age, but with the unfortunate qualities of early balding glasses, beady eyes, and a tiny pointed nose that looked too small for his round cheeks. The man in question was in the middle of shoving a girl up against a wall with his mouth next to her ear. He ran away as soon as I showed, Julian said, chucking the phone back into his hoodie. He didn't touch me. I don't know how he would have gotten me sick, and he's in jail now. Did you see anyone like him in the hospital during your stay? I asked. Yeah, the guy who told me I was fine and needed to leave, he laughed. But you know, all old white guys look the same. He had hair. I chuckled back. Oh, I would love to live in a world where Dr. Sandman was the evil supervillain the Blinkster would make disappear. But it was unlikely. My mind was racing through the unlikely possibilities of disguises when my phone rang. I'm sorry, that's rude. I didn't look away from Julian as I shoved my hand into my white coat to silence the beast. Nah, I think that's him. He asked for your number. Hmm, how did you get it? My lips tightened, but I controlled the furrowing of my brow. A guy who barfed flames could have set my house on fire, sure, but I wanted to feel safe with this kid. I, I liked him. Stole it off Dr. Blank's phone during a checkup, Julian grinned. I don't like to depend on anyone. That widens my net a little, I murmured, knuckles on my lips. Any superhero could have gotten my number from Blank, not just here in the hospital. What do you mean? he asked. What, is your number in national security crab now? I watched his face as I answered. Well, someone blew up my house with a fireball. So kind of. His eyes widened. He actually laughed out loud. No way! You're shitting me, man! <laughs> Not a reaction I'd anticipated. I stared back at him with no change in expression. I'm sorry, you just seem so normal and perfect, he said, stifling the laughs now. Man, that sucks! I shrugged, turning to finish his patient note now. I'm mostly unhappy about my gaming rig, I said. Genuine sympathy washed over his face now, as if I'd told him a family member had died. Oh man, no, that's terrible. I'm I'm sorry for laughing. You're fine, Julian. I was finishing up his new script, my fingers click-clacketing with comforting rhythm. This was tough. In an older person who'd failed Lyrica and found it cost-prohibitive, I'd usually add an SNRI like duloxetine but that would put a teenager at increased risk for suicide, so that was a no-go. I didn't want to increase the Lyrica, because it was making him tired and he regularly engaged in dangerous activities. That would put him at risk for hurting himself or someone else. I loved topicals like Voltaren gel, but the kid couldn't have NSAIDs. Lidocaine patches would sweat right off with his level of activity and naturally increased body heat. He was far too young for joint injections. They would wear down his cartilage and destroy his later years pain psychologist or aqua therapy would help with coping and joint repair, but I highly doubted his insurance would cover those. I'm putting in some dibucane cream for you, I said finally. Extra strength. It should numb painful areas. It's usually used for hemorrhoids or vaginal lacerations, but skin is skin. We can give it a try. Continue the lyric if you can. Don't change the dose, and watch your phone in case the pain psychologist or aqua therapist does end up getting in touch with you. I'm going to stop by the physical therapist today to see if I can get you some unofficial exercises to help with joint recovery. Thanks, Doc. Julian hopped up and then winced, grabbing his knee and then laughed at himself. Man, I'm like an old person. Not so much, I said. Your energy's back, right? Yeah, he nodded. Still sucks to hurt for no reason. I held the door open for him with my lips burst in sympathy. I had many a chronic pain patient who felt the same way.
Arthur Conan Doyle based his famous Sherlock Holmes after physician. Ironically enough, considering the character's bumbling doctor sidekick. Piecing together a stalker's identity did bear similarities to hunting and identifying disease. Not enough, though. I was decidedly out of my element as I slipped back into the cement service hallways in the hospital to check on the security footage again. I didn't even really have access. I just started bringing the security guys bagels or croissants or whatever every other day. Today, I had donuts. My phone rang again. Ah, that's right, I hadn't called M back yet. This is Pfeiffer. Hi, uh, doctor, rasped M's distinctive young voice. Hey, I have some idea why someone didn't want Blank to get to us the day I was really sick. Well, not why, but who. Yeah? I stood still. It's weird, dude. Someone called me this morning telling me they had one of my friends, and if I didn't become a bird and stay a bird, they'd kill her. Weird request. She's safe. Man, my team, we figured it out, found her tied up under a pier. We got there just in time. It was stupid easy. But you're still recovering, and now you're completely wiped out. Yeah, I feel like I'm being set up for something, so whatever next thing we have to face, I can't help. He sighed. It gets weirder, dude. He called me on video. He didn't even show me my friend, just his own stupid face. I pursed my lips. That didn't feel like stupid to me. It felt like a misdirect. What did he look like? I asked. Middle-aged, like, balding dude with glasses and a tiny poke nose. Em laughed. Maybe what she wanted you to see, I murmured. Em, can we meet somewhere? Not at the clinic. Where? It's not like your hospital sees a lot of green people. I don't know. I wanted to talk to you about chronic brucellosis or Q fever. The fatigue that started years ago when you used to work at a farm. And you were around rabbits? Um, I was a rabbit. All the more reason. I think you have a blood parasite, and I think I can help you with the fatigue with a longer course of antibiotics. Drop them off for me. I'll contact you with how. He hung up. I sighed and took a deep breath. Blank was the only other person who knew about M's problem becoming a bird. And it wasn't strange to imagine she could tap my phone. She directed me to the biomedical scientist after Julian the very first time Sabotage came back. Now someone had filmed his face very, very deliberately to threaten M. Not a normal kidnapping move. I knew as well as anyone. Video can be edited. My stomach twisted and I chewed my lip. Donuts, right? packaged balanced on the tips of my fingers as I whirled with an exhale, splashing that mottled charm across my cheekbones and plunged into the security office. The security office glowed like a magical portal of power with the shining blue computer screens. I leaned my elbow on the door jamb, letting the light make shadows on my angular body and the side of my jaw. I knew I looked cool like this because they'd made me pose like this for the modeling gig way back when. People listen more to men who pull off an air of confidence. Hey, Dr. Pfeiffer. Baz, the security officer, was happy to see me. Or the donuts, or perhaps simply the Pavlovian combination of hypothalamic amygdalar triggers we created together. We got some of the discs restored from the night you were worried about. Seen them yet? I asked. No, but you can watch them with me. He didn't even hesitate. He was chewing a donut as he justified the breach. 
I think it's fair for you to know who you can and can't have around your patients. That's a safety issue. You're one of the good ones, Baz. I spun myself into the swivel seat beside him. The worst part of watching that video was that I wasn't surprised at what I saw. I returned to Helen that evening to ask for advice. She'd given me a ration of transport stars that directed only to her home, and she had my flip phone waiting for me with a new number when I arrived in her pastel floral living room. Here, she plopped the phone into my palm with a flamboyant flick of her bedazzled wrist. Don't, like, give the number to anyone but superheroes. Charles has it set up, so the number will be unlisted. You can use it to call your patients or work without getting callbacks. That's perfect, I said, then pointing at the couch. May I? Have a seat, she waved her hand. Her yoga pants carried her curves into the kitchen around the corner. Do you like coffee or tea? I heard her call back. Coffee, thank you. Tea is for Europeans, I smiled. I'd learned people can hear a smile in your voice, even if they can't see you. Tea is really good for your auras and chakras and such, though, she said, returning now with coffee for me and something that smelled like salad water for herself. What did you find? I took the mud she held out, inspecting the World's Best Mom logo on the front. She sat on the couch beside me and... If she hadn't been married, that mom status would have in no way prevented me from breaking out the sultry late-night smile the cologne company once paid me for. As it was, I took a deep breath, and even the way her hair blocked the lamplight, framing one side of her face in gentle shadow, did not raise my heart rate a single beat. I did find something, I answered her, gazing now into my half-reflection in the dark brew. But I need a few more answers to make sure. I took a sip. Looking now at the deep green rose-patterned curtains across from me, the only non-pastel colors in the room. I don't want to tell you something that might not be true. Hmm, that doesn't sound good, she said. You think it's someone I like. Well, I think I know who's trying to sabotage my superhero patients. I'm just not sure if it's the same person who blew up my house. The coffee was extremely dark. You could taste its journey, almost taste whatever black donkey it had ridden through the night and across a storm-tossed ocean to reach my cup. Can you tell me what Blank's superpower is? Was, Helen corrected. There are things that belong to her to tell, but for her safety, I can tell you. I guess like you should know she no longer has superpowers. She's always been good at sleight of hand and general, like, innocuousness, but in a straight fight... Well, actually, even with her powers, I guess any of her could have taken any of us could have taken her in a straight fight, but no one ever got that chance. I pursed my lips. That cryptic mess made it sound like Blank's old powers were psychic in nature. Anyway, it's different now. Without powers, we like worry about her on her own. I'm not like. Mm. Helen seemed embarrassed and corrected herself. She can fight and stuff. She could probably beat you, or any number of, like, soldiers, for that matter. Just, we worry about her. Like, us. Those of us who... Um, who have powers, you mean. I said, it's, it's okay, you can just say that. She flushed. I never know how to act with unpowered people, she said. Or, I'm sorry, like, normals, I think you like to be called. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be, like, racist, but some of us feel like you all tend towards, like, fear and weakness. Like, you overreact to things, you're afraid to defend yourselves, and, like, you resent those who do defend themselves. So, like, when Blank became one of you, it was, it was hard for a lot of us. 
In my experience, people usually say they don't mean to be racist right before they are, I said, looking still at the curtains and not at her. Oh, I... She fidgeted and fell silent. We're fine, Ellen. I flashed a model smile, the one that made women buy comfort food, to relax her. I just don't really think of people with superpowers as some different race. Well, she fidgeted, Charles does, and you can't deny there's some genetic component to this. And the law definitely targets us like it used to target people of color. In a very different way, I wouldn't compare the two, I said. Well, Charles does. I nodded. It wasn't hard to imagine stern-faced, overprotective Charles had a Magneto streak in him. My experience as a person of color with a hero fantasy probably didn't match his experience as a person of color with a weird superpower. Much of Helen's view on racial relations as a white woman probably came from her husband's lens. Everyone's experience has some validity to it, I said, and some misinterpretation I kept to myself. I didn't mean to sidetrack you. Besides not having superpowers, is, is Blink sick in some other way, or is that your only fear with her? That's pretty much it, she said. She's always got circles under her eyes and wrinkles, but that's just sleeplessness. She doesn't take good care of herself. I just worry since she lost her powers that something may happen to her. It's... She puffed out her glossy lips. I guess it's more than that, too. As her friend. To see her change. You know, I'm... Well, you heard of the Hidden before you met me, right? Yes, I said, remembering the shock of the contrast between the cool, classy superhero woman I'd idolized and the Instagram mom in yoga pants I knew now. It was weird to know that someone who used like as a filler word had also saved the world twice. What did you think? she asked. The difference between like what you saw and what you meant. It was my turn to blush. She'd literally pegged my thoughts, and she laughed. Yeah, like, the hidden is pretty different than me, she said. Sometimes people hate me when they meet me. Well, I figure it's like the Scarlet Pimpernel or Bruce Wayne, I said. You conjure the all-fluff cat identity and hide the no-nonsense superhero. No one ever suspects it is. She looked down at her tea. Except, Helen is my real self, and the hidden is a character. I cringed. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to... She laid her slender, warm hand on my shoulder. This isn't about me, she said. What I wanted to say was this. I play a character when I put the mask on. Blank is the opposite of me. I pursed my lips against my knuckles. She's playing a character when she takes the mask off. And she hasn't worn it in years. With that, and a dark look, she rose, went to her room, and shut the door, leaving me alone to interpret my evening thoughts. Put superheroes in jail. Superheroes put supervillains in jail. Who catches the superheroes? Obviously, it was a silly line of thought that plagued me the next evening as I sat smoking after my shift on the roof of the hospital parking lot garage. Baz had sent the security footage to the police for further analysis, but unlike him, I knew how the IV worked and I knew what the footage meant. I took a long drag. I didn't know what the footage meant for me in the long run, though. I always hated the people who use one person's evil as an excuse to stop all the good people in that same category. 
like the people who made all superhero good Samaritans illegal after one guy made a bad call. Why couldn't we just punish the bad call? I knew the answer, of course. We couldn't just punish the bad call because jailing someone for breaking a victim's neck doesn't get politicians the votes and views they can get from shimmering sound bites like sweeping superhero reform. I shuddered, remembering Senator Todd on the television, his hair perfectly coiffed, flashing the same model smile I used to sell vacuums as he twisted the tragedy and the Supreme Court decision to re-elect himself for the eighth time. Nothing would ever really get reformed in this country without Senate term limits. That was for damn sure. In the meantime, our masters in government made it impossible for you to protect yourself or someone else or even use your powers in public without a permit. Charles the Blinkster saw it as a discrimination issue, a civil rights issue attacking people with powers, forcing them to hide themselves instead of being themselves. I saw it more like gun control and self-defense. This wasn't just targeting a class of people with powers, it was about controlling anyone who might use force for good, putting them all under the thumb of whatever government regime, corrupt or not, happened to be in office. But if I oppose superhero reform, in situations like I found myself now, how did you catch bad superheroes? In my mind, it was all broad-spectrum versus narrow-spectrum antibiotics. Instead of targeting the one bad germ that was destroying the body, broad-spectrum would knock out everything, and when used too often, that caused long-term problems because it killed off good bacteria, too. Same thing with policy. Instead of these sweeping, generalized laws, why couldn't we focus the resources we had, analyze each superhero situation individually, and individually punish excess force, regardless of powers? Why couldn't we target our strategies? Why we're right and wrong about slapping generalized labels across giant groups instead of holding individuals responsible? Was it the dark side of the biopsychosocial narrative where we started to relegate too much to the social forces and too little to the person? But on the other hand, we needed that model to help understand and heal the rifts that cause social injustice and... Hey, why aren't you answering any phone calls? Blank's boots clopped towards me without any ceremony, her gritty voice echoing in the parking garage as she emerged from it. I had to change my number, I said, flicking my cigarette against the granite banister. You've given me a lot to think about. What do you mean? She tensed as she drew near. I said nothing for a second, reaching for my phone. Well, I hope it can wait, Blank said, both hands in her army green jacket and feet squarely planted. I've got another patient for you, regenerative powers issue. Have her come see me in my clinic in the morning, I said. I could tell it wasn't an emergency from the way she stood. I flicked across my screen until I reached my camera, looking for the saved video I'd covertly taken of Baz's security feed. Blank scowled and pulled out her own phone. Tomorrow's fine, I guess. Her name's Gabby Miller. She's a full-body regenerator dealing with an extra arm behaving like a keloid. I'll text you her information. She looked up. What's your new number? I laughed, as if, and turned my screen towards her as my thumb pressed play. The video showed Blank, alone in Helen's hospital room the day she gave birth. The two women seemed to talk, argue a little, and then Blank left. I left her alone in the room for a minute so I could go to the bathroom. Hernandez was taking a call from a resident, Blank said. So what? I said nothing. In the video, Blank immediately re-entered the room, not ten seconds later, and then turned Helen's magnesium all the way up to the dangerously toxic maximum. She left the room again, and the video cut out just before Dr. Hernandez came in.
That's some bathroom break there, doctor, I said. She pursed her lips and said nothing. Was anyone really following you the day M was sick, or were you just driving around to delay, to make him sicker? I asked. Now she scoffed. Come on, why would I do that? Well, why would you poison your best friend with a full magnesium drip and then an hour later save her life? I asked. Right. She squared up against me, her arms crossed and her chin up tilted, intimidating even in her tiny size. Why? I ignored her power posing and swiped over her head to another picture on my phone. The bald, tiny-nosed biomedical scientist. Julian showed me this guy. The guy you accused of targeting him. The guy who can't possibly have targeted M or Helen because he's in jail. I paused for emphasis. Well, it turns out the same guy threatened M today and somehow knew what only you and I knew, that M's currently vulnerable in bird form. He didn't even want a ransom, just M as a bird. Before she could protest, he showed his face blank. What kidnapper shows his face, not proof of life? A crazy person, that's who, Blank said. Victor Mafield has a known psychiatric history. It's impossible to have a vendetta against... It, it is possible. You're making me confused. Right, I said, shoving my phone back into my pocket. I took another drag of cigarette, forcing her to step back away from me to avoid the smoke she hated. I wanted my space, but I didn't want to step back and look weak. I certainly didn't want to move too close to the edge of the roof. Crazy isn't a medical diagnosis, doctor, but you know what it is? You need to calm down. There gotta be big picture things you're missing here. Blank stepped towards me again. Out of reach, my loafers clicking on cement as I approached the hospital door within range of the security cameras. I set my stance wide and puffed cigarette smoke towards her. She stayed back. Munchausen syndrome, Dr. Blank, I called across the windy parking garage bridge. The disorder whereby a caretaker makes people sick so she can make them feel better. I know what it is. You can stop grandstanding, she scowled. You can't be yourself anymore since you lost your powers, I called. So you grasp at your old glory by being a hero to the heroes, and if they're not sick enough or not listening to you, you make them sick so they need you, so you can be what you once were. She seemed small then in the silence as the wind took her gray black streaked blonde hair in front of her face and she stared out over the city with her arms wrapped around herself are you going to help my patient tomorrow or not she asked finally i will send her to my clinic i said and then what she asked i'd been asking myself that for the better part of an hour I guess I'm going to the police, I said. I'm going to talk to Charles first, I think. I don't want the others to get hurt when I turn you in. The end of episode four. I think it's good to end it on a kind of exciting and weird note, don't you? <laughs> I wanted to let you guys know before we close today um, that I do have a cute little affiliate ship um, that you guys might like to check out. It's called betterhelp.com. It is a uh, like place where you can get online therapy. Times are really confusing and scary right now with like politics and a lot of other stuff and sometimes it can be hard to find the mental help that you need um, because a lot of places are closed. Um, so I like BetterHelp because they connect you with therapists online and obviously you can always fire whatever therapist you don't like and it's really easy because then you can pick another one from the database. 
So um, you can get 10% off online therapy uh, with my link, which is betterhelp.com slash Dr. Jen. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash Dr. Jen. And that's kind of can be helpful. Or if you're like, Jen, I don't need therapy, but I would like more stories regularly, or I just want to give you money so that you can help make a clinic in South America to help the poor who don't have access to medicine. Then I would say, like, rock on, dude. Check out patreon.com slash becominghero, and you can help me out there. Or you could, like, subscribe to this podcast. Um, but patrons usually get the podcast about a month before everyone else. This time everyone's getting it at the same time, because June and July were weird for some reason. Uh, but usually you get the podcast about a month ahead of time, and you always get a downloadable version um, directly from me that not everyone gets, and you also get a special um, PDF version as well, plus you get previews to novels, like um, there's one about Space Ninjas and Betrayal um, that's uh, being released little by little on there just as a preview for patrons only, um, and uh, so that that's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I, I think that's, I think that's it. Um, because, and that's guaranteed, like, I always finish all the stories that are on the Patreon. Um, I don't actually finish all the stories that are on my email list. That's a free way to get stories from me. Um, although most of them I, I do finish because I don't think that's nice. Um, I send out a bunch of short stories and some longer stories and novellas and stuff like that that you do get to finish and get the whole thing of. And they're pretty cool. Um, and you can do, get those by going to buygenfinelli.com. B-Y as in like buy me, not as in like buy me like on the black market because I'm not for sale. Um, but buygenfinelli.com and you can just put your name in the email list pop-up thingy. Um, and you can get a free book. You can get two free books actually. Um, plus a bunch of free mp3s and a bunch of other cool stuff. Um, people have told me that I give away too much stuff for free, um, but uh, I'm really glad to do that and give you stories. So yeah, if you like stories, those are places to get them. Um, and finally, I also have a YouTube channel um, for ASMR where I sometimes tell sci-fi stories. The next one that's coming up, um, some of them have been pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, but the next one coming up is a story, um, where you are going undercover at a fashion show and you're a secret agent and I am helping you get ready and it's pretty funny. I think that you will enjoy it. Um, that should be coming out tomorrow and that's at, um, youtube.com slash actual doctor ASMR. Again, that's youtube.com slash actualdoctorASMR. So those are the little gifties I have for you today. Things to check out. 10% off on betterhelp.com slash drjen. Um, the ability to help me build a clinic for the needy um, at patreon.com slash becominghero, where your science fiction helps to fund real-life superheroism as we all learn to become heroes together, and buygenfinelli.com, where you can get, like, I think $100 worth of free books um, and thingies. And finally, um, the last thing, which you should remember because it was the last thing that I mentioned. And that was youtube.com slash ASMR. And yes, I almost forgot what I was saying. <laughs> Thank you very much for stopping by. And I hope that you continue to enjoy the podcast here on the Weeby Geeks Podcast Network. Bye-bye.